Hello, I'm Stefan Sittig. Welcome to American Theatre Artists Online, where we talk with leading contemporary figures in the American theatre. My guests today are Jason Odell Williams and Charlotte Cohn. I like to call them theatre's hottest power couple. He's a successful award-winning and Emmy-nominated writer, producer, and playwright whose work has been seen on Netflix, off-Broadway, and around the country. And she is a former opera singer turned Broadway actor who now focuses on directing and producing plays, oftentimes the ones her husband Jason writes. I talked with them from their Manhattan apartment about their backgrounds, their history working in the theater, and their latest ventures, including a play Jason just penned called Social Distancing, a monologue play performed live on New York's JCC Center Stage Facebook page as a response to the current COVID-19 pandemic. Hi, Jason. Hi, Charlotte. How are you? We're good. Hey, Stefan. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you guys handling everything over oh, there in New York City? The best. The best. <laughs> what a dream come true. Right? Oh, what a situation. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm sad that the situation is such, but it's good that we're getting to talk. And I'm glad that, um, thank you for giving this time uh, to me and to uh, my listeners. And and I have my first- giving us something to do. Yeah. <laughs> right? <I'm into> that. <laughs> it's hard to schedule time in, in these things. It's hard to, to find things to do uh, to get some sort of routine we in your life. We get to stare at each other all the time. It's really fun. Hey, hey, stare at each other all the time. I'm quarantining alone, so I'm lucky or not. We'll see. Okay. <laughs> so um, speaking of quarantine, um, how's it going there? And how is it being in New York City with, with this, um, you know, unprecedented situation? And how's, uh, tell us about how you guys are handling and um, talk about Pepper, too, if people don't know about Pepper. Does, does Pepper have her own Instagram page yet? Oh, oh, she should. Soon. She's a superstar. Char Charlotte started doing a thing. We do this sort of fun thing. We do it just to entertain ourselves all the time, where, where I would sort of talk as if Pepper was talking out loud, sort of in her monologue. And then we just started videotaping it and posting it to Facebook and Instagram because, you know, we're you're, bored. You're like this, we're all this close to going crazy, right? So we're doing whatever we can. I love that people are like commenting on it, yeah. saying, oh my God, you guys have lost your mind. I'm like, I want you to know that this happens all Way the time. So it's just usually not on camera, right? Yeah, yeah. So this is the first time we're posting it for anybody to see, but no, we used to always do this. It's but a bird's view into our crazy, yeah, crazy legs. A little, little um, well, yeah. but clearly you're, you're not just having fun with Pepper and, and, and posting fun fun at home videos, but it sounds from what I'm seeing online on social media that you guys are pretty busy or, you know, you're, uh, Jason, you're writing uh, yeah. at least two things that I saw. Talk about social distancing, the monologue play, and then mm -hmm. something else that just happened today. Talk about those two things. What is it that you're working on? Well, uh, there, there, these, these two opportunities sort of came up because I think the minute this all happened, everyone was like kind of panicked. The theater's closed and people were like, what are we going to do? And so right. uh, a director reached out to me and was like, you should write something about this crisis right now. Write me a monologue and I'll read it on Facebook Live. And so I was like, oh, okay. And so I just wrote something really quick and he did that. And then uh, this other thing happened today. A, a guy named Jason Weiss, who's in LA, who has a thing called the No Pants Theater Company. He was like, we're going to do a 48-hour play festival, which is similar to the 24-hour play festival, but I guess he gave everyone two days. You know, you get actors mm -hmm. and writers and directors who don't know each other. They're just sort of thrust together. 
they come up with an idea for something, the writers write it, the director rehearses with the actors, and then they perform it, you know, all two days later. And so I actually wrote for two different things. I sort of, I wrote one all by myself and I sort of co-wrote one and they performed them today on Zoom uh, today at like four o'clock and five o'clock. And it was, it was really cool. It was cool to see. And I think people were trying to figure out new ways to use this technology to to stay creative. And for me, it was just a way to like keep the juices flowing because honestly, it was, it was, this has been hard. It's been sure. it's a strange thing to be suddenly, uh, I, I was let go from my sort of day job in TV mm. production and to suddenly at first you think, oh my God, I've got all this time. I can do all the things I want to do. And you actually feel less productive and creative. And so it was a, it was a way to kind of jumpstart the, the sort of creative juices. And then honestly, because of that, sort of forcing myself to have to do something, which there were zero stakes, there was zero sort of like anything that was going to come from it, but it was like just getting that muscle flowing made me go back to sort of my other things like oh, i'm going to finish this play and i'm going to start this new play there was also that. a reading of one of your plays the other day that helped, yeah. uh, that, that <laughs> was interesting and really helped you uh figure out some changes and the ending of the play so oh. we did that that was a zoom and it was so funny because there was a uh there was a topic after and the mm -hmm. actors all said the same thing which was Thank you so much for letting us, you know, be creative again. I mean, Zoom is by no means, you know, uh, where we want to end up in sure. theater. But for sure. now, uh, it's something. It's better Necessity. than nothing. Necessity is the mother of invention, right? Yeah, So it's social distancing, the monologue play. That was done at the JCC, right, on Facebook. In Rochester, Facebook yeah. Page. Yeah, and then this, the other one's called State-Mandated Therapy Session Number 8. <laughs> Yeah. Is so that really actually, the title? That was the title because, because so what happened was these, it was these three actresses and a, and a director and they lost their writer. I think they had two writers who like then quit. They were just like, oh, I don't want, you know, pe that, people sign up for these things and they don't follow through, you know? Right. And so they posted like, we need a writer. And, and my group hadn't gotten their sort of act together at this point. And so I was like, well, my group might fall through. So I just jumped onto their group. Turns out we both ended up doing something, but so they came to me and they said, we've already had one meeting and we have this kind of idea that it's this um, state mandated therapy and one of us will be the therapist and the other two will be the, uh, you know, the patients. Oh, and great. I said, okay. And they kind of already had their characters mapped out. And so I just kind of came into it, you know, three hours in, which they'd already done a bunch of work. And then I just, I just kind of wrote it and, and I, I just kind of called it that as a temporary title for me. And then they were like, this is great. It's fine. You know, cause you only have 48 hours. So you're like, who cares what it's called? Amazing, um, right? Yeah. <laughs> but it was about it was about you know oh as if this this quarantine has been stay at home order has been going on for six months so we're like in September and now mm -hmm. people are really starting to go a little crazy and then the state was like we need to work make sure everybody's sane everybody's yeah their mental health is taken care of so they're mandating that everybody have a virtual therapy session at least once a week and so that was I, sort of I was watching it today I watched something today yeah. online maybe it was the the social distancing one but or, or was it this one that was set in the future eight months you said eight months from yeah, now? yeah this one was they were actually coincidentally they were both oh. sort of set like six months in the future it was, it was I, I found it, that fascinating because yeah. it really made you stop and think about you know what's going how is this going to change you know we're going through it right now but how is it going to change the way we live and the way we do everything moving forward and i thought it's going to be like six five six months from now I thought that was a great idea yeah and that yeah. really makes you think as an audience member you know not just 
not you're not just sitting there passively you're actually actively thinking and engages you so much and and so i thought that was great and so that that, that state mandated therapy session was for no pants theater is that what it's called yeah it's it's a group called no pants theater company they they i think just started once the crisis kind of uh began like you know early mid-march and it was it was it's basically just a a virtual platform for theater hmm. We're going to do a reading of Church and State, yeah. actually. Um, Great. I was just going to talk about Church and State, and yeah. now it's probably a good time. So, so tell me about your other play. So, I mean, the way we all know each other is, is through many ways, but um, Church and State is one of the ways that we've, we've worked together. Um, t- tell us about that play, and that, is, is there, are there thoughts of doing that online or reading or... Yeah. Well, well, just real quickly, well, yeah, so a, a, a girl named Jen Sorensen, who was the understudy in L.A. for the production in L.A., uh, and we've gotten to know since um, through other lots of different things that we've you know worked with her on. Uh, just reached out and was like, "Hey, uh, I'm going crazy. Would you ever want to do a reading of Church and State Online? I heard of this new theater company that's like uh, has a Zoom account and can kind of deal with the tech part of it. All we need to do is deal with the sort of creative artistic part." And so she's going to play Mrs. Whitmore. Charlotte's going to play Alex. Rob, who did it in LA, Rob Nagel is going to play the senator. Uh, Juke Tedge, who you introduced us to, is going to yes. play Tom and Marshall. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. You know, and just, just for those listening that, that may not know, Church and State is the play that you wrote, Jason, and you produced Charlotte. Yeah. Yes. That ran off-Broadway um, in 2017. Am Correct. I right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and, and I saw it, and it was fantastic. And, and you guys had a pretty successful run there, right, Mrs. Producer, Madam Producer? Uh, thank you, sir. Yeah. Did uh, it go well? <laughs> was, I should ask was, you. It was successful in, uh, in New York, off Broadway. Produced it here commercially, and then it went off and um, was uh, published by DPS, Dramatist Play Services, mm-hmm. and was a licensing darling. I mean, people really responded to it. Somehow uh, got word about it, and I mean, without coronavirus we were supposed to have we were supposed to reach 60 productions by the end of 2020 64 64 sorry Mm -hmm. i stand corrected um so a few a few of the productions have been canceled but i think we're gonna get only one nothing has been canceled things have been postponed postponed sure sure that's let's stay on the positive side um is, is that it really has a great success um in in regional theater 33 states Right? Yeah. It's been done in 33. I think less what I saw, yep. the last number. Maybe yeah, 33. Yeah. And it's a play about, how would you, Jason, if you had to sum it up, <laughs> 25 words or less, this play, what yeah, is it about? A, Why a, should someone read it or produce it? It's about a Republican senator who changes his mind about gun control after a school shooting uh, at the elementary school where his boys go. That's the simple sort of But thing. it's told with lots of humor mm-hmm. and heart. Yes. So it's not just, um, you know, what we like to call bitter pill theater. It's, yeah. it's, there's a lot of humor in it, which, True. Um, yes. which makes people laugh and then think. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's four actors is all you need. Three main characters and then a sort of a utility man who plays like three or four parts and one basic set. And it takes place basically over two days with kind of one more sort of flash forward near the end. So it's really producible. It's really simple to do. Yeah, um, but it be, it's also really short. I think, I think the longest production has ever has been like eighty minutes, but it's usually like wow. seventy or seventy-five minutes. 75, That's yeah. great. Um, it just gets get shot out of a cannon, and mm-hmm. and uh, it's 
it's about guns, but I think it's also about religion and faith and sort of um, uh, why do you believe what you believe is kind of the other sort of theme. Right. And, you know, prior to this coronavirus situation, I would say that this was a, a, such a hot topic in the United States about um, shootings and violence, gun violence. And in some ways, a lot of a lot of the themes of the play resonate now, too, even with the the, the coronavirus situation it, it, about community, about mm-hmm. prayer, about God, uh, or about how we think as, as a larger group. So, yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't really thought about that. Yeah, yeah um, I, mean, I think it's, and it's an evergreen topic, sadly, for, for us here in this country. We're not looking at it right now, this moment, but it is always a topic that, you know, and I remember you said at one point you had to keep adding, there's a part in the, in the play where you, uh, the governor, the senator, sorry, uh, lists all these um, um, situation, all these shootings that have happened yeah. historically up until that point that you wrote the play, and and you'd had to add to that. Is that what is that what you said to me that you had? Yeah, to keep you know. Adding? So we, I wrote it in 2016, and we started rehearsing for that production in 2016 in uh, Los Angeles, and while they went into rehearsal, um, the shooting in Orlando happened. Mm. And so we, we were like, well, we should add that. So he, he lists sort of the major ones, right? He says Columbine and Virginia mm-hmm. Tech and, and, and Newtown and, and um, uh, Tucson and a few others up to, you know, Charleston. Sure. And then he says he ends with Orlando. And then since Orlando, which was 2016, uh, we've, that, that he, he, there were eight cities that he listed. And, and, and honestly, we're just listing the really the, the ones that kind of dent one. national yeah. consciousness. Mm-hmm. And then we've had to double that list. So now there's 16, mm. right? It's like Las Vegas and and, and wow. um, Virginia Beach and Dayton and El Paso. And mm. um, it's just, it's sort of ever-growing. It's, it's yeah. ever-growing. And that's and, the only and piece of the play that changes, keeps yeah. changing. And it's actually, I've seen it recently and, and uh, where it's that that section where I'd seen it in 2017 and now watching it two, two years later, two and a half years later, when I watched it again, it had a lot more impact because the list was so long. Yeah. yeah, the list is so long. And I think what also has the impact is that Charlotte directed, a, 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 for me, the sort of perfect production at the Berkshires in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you know, you learn a lot from every production. And so by that point, we sort of knew, like, this is what works, this is what doesn't work. And, and she's also a brilliant director. And So tell me about that, Jason. Jason, <laughs> yeah. since you brought it up, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probe deeper. So tell me more about when Charlotte directs your plays. Um, and then, Charlotte, I want you to tell me what... <laughs> how it feels the to truth to, oh yeah, yeah absolutely well okay, you always yeah. do so i'll just i'll just finish the loop of that story so yes. the, uh, so when we did it in 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 the berkshires there was a shooting uh i think in annapolis right mm-hmm. it was like we'd done like five shows and then the shooting happened and then it was on like a, a, a over it was like on like a monday or tuesday and so when they came back into the show the next time on wednesday he said the word annapolis and the audience gasped uh, so, so the, there is something about, so like when you said, when you saw it again and the list is longer, it, it, everybody thinks theater is this like thing that's created in a box and it's like not a living thing. And then suddenly when someone says something that, oh my gosh, that happened just yesterday or two not days static. ago last week, yeah. it just feels like, wow, this is really, this is happening right now. Um, electric, you know. But so in terms of Charlotte and I collaborating, um, you know, we both started as actors at the actor studio. That's how we met. Uh, she had a ton of success as an actress and I had sort of less success as an actor and I kind of 
was getting frustrated and decided to start writing plays. And I wrote my first play for her as an actress. That was Handle with Care. Oh, um, right. And that yeah. one was done as well. That had that had a, a pretty prominent production, right, with Carol Lawrence. Carol yeah. Lawrence. West Side Story originally. Great. And, yeah. uh, that and was great. And, and, and so you wrote Handle with Care for Charlotte. For Charlotte, and and you know we did a couple of regional productions, sort of tried it out uh, in Ithaca and then Naples, Florida, and then it came to New York, and and that was sort of our first like collaboration. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, after that, she directed. No, actually, it was before that. You directed Baltimore Black and White. Right. That's right. She I di- directed in like 2011. I think. 2011. She directed a play I wrote called Baltimore Black and White. Huh. And and that's when I was, but I had already written Handle with Care. It just yeah. I wrote Handle with Care in 2008 and then Baltimore Black Knight. It's sort of, you know, it's all overlapping. Yeah. And I just started, I would just kind of show her things because I trust her all the time. And she was just really, really smart, really, really <laughs> got what I was going for. Yeah. And it just became this thing where I would always want her either to direct it or be in it or co-write it with me. Like I didn't, writing is really hard to do. Mm-hmm. I like I like to do it by myself, but then at some point you got to give it to someone else. And, Get some other eyes on it, yeah. And you want someone you really trust. And so when mm-hmm. Church and State came around, at one point we thought, oh, maybe you can be in it or uh, maybe you can direct it. And she was like, I'm going to produce it and that's going to be all I can handle. And she was right. Mm-hmm. It was a lot to do. Boy, but then when we got the chance to do it at the Berkshires, uh, Kate McGuire said, Jason, do you have an idea for a director? Who do you want to use? And I was like, Charlotte, Charlotte, Charlotte. She's like, oh, okay, great, perfect. Well, and in a way, I mean, every, do you, so every day do you, because obviously you're married, you live together, you have a child. Do you, so every day do you go home and talk notes when oh you're my goodness. the show together or do you leave it at the theater? Yeah, it was, it was a learn, I mean, we learn as we go. It's, mm-hmm. it's complicated. Any couple that works together will tell you the same thing. Yeah. That it, you have to find a balance. I mean, there's a lot of positive in it because we have each other all the time. Like after the reading the other day, uh, Jason and I were able to, once it was over, to really some, you know, bounce some ideas around. And he said, how about this? And I thought, well, what about this? You know, and, mm-hmm. it, and it's really um, uh, beneficial uh, for him as a writer and for me as a creative to just mm-hmm. have that opportunity. Of course, when I was producing Church and State, I remember just coming to a head a couple of times where we were about to fall asleep at like 11.30 in bed and he would go, you know what I find so, you know, frustrating, you know, something about the production. And I'd say, hey, most of the time you will not have the producer in bed with you at 11.30. So maybe right now I'm just your wife. Right. Can and we, we, we yeah, can shut forget up. And let shut it up. <laughs> and let but it go. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it did get, uh, huh. I mean, that was, Probably the hardest job I've ever had wow, uh, sure. to produce to produce off Broadway by yourself. Yeah, I was the, the yes, sole producer. That. I had mm-hmm. I had no support, and I had a uh, you mm-hmm. know as a producer you, you're the you know you're the head of the ship. So yeah. Jason was basically one of my uh, employees, and I had to <laughs> take care of him, and I had to take care of everything, and and yeah. you know you find yourself without time. For sure. yourself or just for your sanity. So- Writers are needy also. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, let's talk. So, so does it ever, does it ever, when you're working together, and I, I'm just curious, this is just sure, you know, purely my own 
thoughts here about when you're working together on a play and, and Charlotte, you're directing and, and Jason, a play that Jason wrote. Yeah. Do you guys find that sometimes Jason will be directing and you'll be rewriting or making some edits? And how do you guys handle that? I, 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 well, let me, let me say you that talk I think, and I'll talk. <laughs> well, I, I think this is also something that we've learned over time. Mm -hmm. If there's anybody else in the room, if actors uh, are in the room or mm -hmm. the producers yeah. are in the room or the artistic director, mm -hmm. then we have come to have an understanding that mm -hmm. I'm the one who speaks. And if Jason wants to say something, he will tap me and say, can I say something? Because it, I found it as an actor uh, very frustrating. I've been in a couple of productions. I don't know if you have, Stefan, but it, yes. it, that where the you playwrights have, in the room. Yeah, the playwrights in the room and the director, and there's sometimes the musical director, mm -hmm. and they're all talking at the actors at the same time. Uh, like, same wait, who am I going to listen to? <laughs> Who's the boss? Right? right. There's got to be. There's got to be one person at least for you know who who is the leader here for just for sanity's sake. Sure. And then if Jason say, hey, can I say something? And I go, yeah, of course, Let, let's hear what he has to say. And obviously in our relationship in general, mm -hmm. sometimes I will say, hey, how about this beat right here? I think there's something off in the rhythm of it. Let's mm -hmm. change it to this. And sometimes he'll say, no, you're wrong. And sometimes he'll think about it for 24 hours and then he'll say, oh yeah, <laughs> you've got something. And directorially, I think you give ideas all the time. I don't think that we're very conscious of them, but I think I'm very open to it in general. I think I, I, I use things that come from actors in the room. I use mm -hmm. things that come from any source that I can get it when I go, oh, this is not working. Why is this not working? Let me see where else I can you know, source that creativity from. And Jason always has good ideas. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. that's part of it. But I, I think there's give and take in both those departments. But, um, and I welcome that. And I must say that if given the chance, I would rather work with Jason than anyone else. I think there's a level of trust that we have. I was going to say, yeah, you've developed really, that. Really, as you know, Stefan, it's really hard to get with anyone outside. Yes. It's just, you know, that's why there's so many relationships in our business mm -hmm. that are, you know, people that keep working with this, you know, directors who keep working with the same actors and right. writers yeah. who keep working with the same producers. It's just the way that it is. It's a comfort zone for and, us. And you build a shorthand, right? Because I'm sure you and Jason have a shorthand. So Jason, have you been tapping Charlotte on the shoulder the whole time? That the yeah, well, so I, it's, it's funny because I remember the first play we did together, Baltimore Black and White, uh, I, didn't, I didn't know where the line was. And and I would speak up too much and we, I would talk over uh, people and we would talk at the same time. And we've slowly learned over time that I will mostly shut up in the room. And then when we're home together, we talk freely and it's great. Yeah. Uh, in terms of writing, uh, exactly what Charlotte said, she'll be like, this isn't working. And sometimes she'll just be like, I don't know, just look at this and go fix it. And I'll give her like another pass at it. Sometimes she'll be like, I think, what if you change it to this? And she's also really good about being like, there's 10 words here in the sentence, cut it down to five. Or right, guiding a bit. Like, right. like sometimes really specific mm. line notes, which are helpful. But then also, I, I also, we feel comfortable enough, well, she'll give me a line note and I'll be like, no, I like it this way because, and I don't feel bad about saying no. Yeah. You know, I get line yeah. notes from other directors or whatever, and I'm like, how do I say no to that? I don't know. I don't, mm. yeah. So, but in terms of actual, the actual directing, I don't think I ever, she's so much better at the sort of big picture directing stuff than I ever would be. Mm. I'm only ever uh, would chime in about, oh, I think the, the character is thinking or feeling this at this moment. That's what that line means. It's just about right. that kind of stuff. Um, 
but we've learned over time, I think, how to sort of be in the room together better, where I, the short answer is I shut up. Don't talk in the room, then talk to me at home and it's fine. Well, I've been in, I've been in, in the room with you guys when you were, um, when we were working on um, the, the reading of it at, at Virginia Theater Association. I bet yeah. that was fun for you. <laughs> it was fun. I don't, you know, I'm one of those directors that, that doesn't, like, I want all the information. So if, if the playwright's in the room with me and, the, and someone who's directed it before and is also, in this case, Charlotte, you were performing in it too for us. Thank you. Um, um, I, I prefer, I, I think more info and the best idea always wins. That's always been my approach. Um, but it, it was interesting to watch you too and how you negotiated that. And, and exactly everything that you've said is, is what I witnessed. There was a lot of respect, a lot of trust and, and uh, helping each other out. But I'm sure conversations when, when things were safe and not in front of the actors and, and, and things like that. And, and that's wonderful. Um, let me ask you another question because I myself am the product of a bicultural marriage household and my, my father's from Westminster Maryland and my mother's from Montevideo Uruguay right so watching those two cultures two totally different religions two different approaches to life uh work together as you know as partners and the the the, the way they've learned to collaborate um, do you think that that helps you guys are so from such different places yeah I think it does but I think it what works in this situation is uh, who we are as people. I mean, and it took me um, a long, a long journey. You know, I was born in Denmark, Copenhagen, mm -hmm. Denmark, and I was raised in Jerusalem, Israel, and I served in the Israeli army. And I was very religious for a long time. And uh, clearly I am not anymore. Uh, <laughs> well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Out. <laughs> wait, you just, you just re rushed over that bit of the Israeli army, which for my listeners, anyone oh. listening, you were a tank commander, am I right? I was a, I was a commanding officer in a tank commander training base oh, gosh. Uh, in, in the south of Israel. There were 2,000 male soldiers and eight women. That was fun. <laughs> Uh, and, sure. and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's very interesting. I think we are a tale of, um, if nothing else, what humanity is in the in the base of it. You know, when you strip all the other things away, uh, we are just people, and we can communicate in a way that that makes sense. I, How did you get from Denmark, Israel, <laughs> to New York City? Um, well, my, <laughs> Jason just tilted the whole computer my way. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I uh, was born my, uh, in Denmark. My father was a uh, Second World War survivor. His family escaped from Denmark to Sweden during the Second World War in 1943. Um, uh, Sweden was neutral at the time and they were uh, Jewish, obviously. Mm -hmm. And then after the war, they came back to Denmark. My father met my mother when he visited Israel, and she was actually a, a, an officer in, in the Israeli army at the time. Ah. And he was like, Auga. he really <laughs> fell in love with her. And then he courted her for like two years, you know, sent her flowers and letters and stuff like that. And finally she was like, fine, I'll marry you. And they moved to Denmark and lived there for 13 years. And um, I was five years old. Uh, I have three older sisters and we moved to Israel because, aha, my parents didn't want us to marry Goyim. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> we showed them. <laughs> yeah. uh, so 
uh, because, you know, my father always said the Danes are too nice and too handsome. So, uh, <laughs> Can't have that. Reason. Yeah, that was reason. Can't was have that. My father was a really lovely, funny, funny hmm. guy and intelligent to no end. And um, he passed away, unfortunately, many years ago, over 20 years ago. But we, wow. so I grew up in, in Israel and we were Orthodox Jews um, wow. my entire life uh, until I started the army. Actually, I, I stopped being religious really a little bit before that, but out of respect to my parents, I was like, I, I kept it. Sure. I don't kept think there, I, I can't, I don't <laughs> think there is a God was sort of my thought process around right. the age of 16. I was like, ah, mm -hmm. I don't think so. Started questioning. Yeah. yeah. And, and all these things, um, of, of God and does he exist and the rituals and the, you know, don't eat any part of the pig because it's, you know, it's going to make you very sick or you're, mm -hmm. you're not, you're not going to end up uh, in a good place with God. And, mm -hmm. you know, all the things that I truly believed in um, mm. and sort of how I slowly broke away from that over the years. Um, and then I came to New York first to study for a year to become an opera singer because that's what I wanted to be. Uh, and then I just got stuck here. How old were you <laughs> stuck here? Well, that's well, awesome. I, I came here at 23. Oh, wow. So you were an adult by the time yeah. you came to the U.S. and you were ra you were, you had never before lived in the U.S. Never. And, right. and you know what? I was, I was uh, released from the military, my military service. I served for a long time. And I was released, and two weeks later, I was on a plane to New York. I literally wow. was like, "I'm out." <laughs> what was that? Well, that must have been quite, quite culture shock. I knew or one what? person. I knew wow. one person. When you got to New York, wow. yeah. Wow. And uh, and he was an ex-boyfriend of my older, one of my older sisters, and I, wow. he wasn't ever here. He traveled a bunch for business, so I was Ooh. alone wow. in this town. Well, that builds character. <laughs> well, I was like, that's broad. I was like, I was in the middle. Yeah, I was gonna say you had it already. Well, the culture, the culture shock was, you know, so funny. I, I, I always talk about these things that things are more scary when you're far away from them. And mm. I remember coming to New York and my mom was like, be careful. Don't walk alone. You know, mm. New York is so scary. Crime is really high. And I was like, mom, we live in Israel. <laughs> right? Yeah. You survived that. Right. So, yeah. No, yeah. And, it's and I just remember the people around me. This is this is the this was really the stark difference for me that people that I eventually met who were who were my age twenty three or twenty four mm -hmm. were rather immature, if I may be as blunt as sure. No, I, I I'm an American who was raised overseas, so I yeah. I understand. You get it, sometimes people. If, I think living in in the same country your whole life it gives you a different perspective than if you've moved around or yeah, I, I, you just grow. Yeah, I think so. And I, and I, and I, and I really, well, I, I've just been through the army and I was through, uh, I just went through a war. The Gulf War had just happened. I mean, people I, were like, it's so hard to find an apartment. <laughs> <laughs> the problems, the trials and tribulations of, of New York. What am I going to do with my life? I'm so <laughs> right. lost. <laughs> but so, Jay, so when did you, so when did you and Jay, so Jason, when did you and Charlotte meet? So when you met Charlotte, was she in, in these, in this time period of her, her 20s or was it well it was a little it was a little bit later it, it was we were in grad school so uh, i went to the with you and <laughs> i yes, after 96 i graduated and it was I, I moved up basically that fall uh -huh. um and then 
sort of kicked around for a year and a half ish, and then in '98 started grad school. And Charlotte was in my class, you know, our ah. class of becoming actors, and we sort of knew of each other, saw each other, uh, had a, like one dance class together. But I don't. It wasn't until really we were in a play together um, that we like really spent a lot of time together. And now I know this about you just because I was with you know overlapped with you in college. In college, you were the actor. Okay, everyone talked about. You played Hamlet. You were the the favorite student of the acting coach. Uh, I mean, it was very clear, and and deservedly so. Uh, and we all watched you and and your ability during college. But how did you get? So are you you're from Maryland? Originally? Yeah, I'm from I'm from Columbia, Maryland, which is like okay. between Baltimore and DC. Uh, I you know nobody in my family uh, has any sort of artistic inklings um my, my parents are always like where did this come from i have no idea in the club yeah uh, yeah you know and I, but i think that happens um yes I, I have an older sister she's five and a half years older oh. uh so you know she went to college she also went to uva and so i basically spent all of high school by myself and so i think i was kind of an only child for sort of late middle school high school and and honestly like i i turned to tv uh that was like my favorite thing in the world i would rush home bust my ass and finish my homework as fast as possible so mm -hmm. I could watch what was then, you know, there's no deep uh, on demand or um, yeah. DVRs or anything. And I would watch like must see TV. So it was like all of that, like cheers and family ties and all those shows. And, and I loved that stuff. And like, I was like, I loved that so much. And I thought my only way in was really the acting side. And so in high school, I was in all of the plays in high school. And then I went to UVA and I was like, that's all I want to do is act. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and and I loved it, and because I sort of got a taste of Shakespeare in high school, because everybody does Shakespeare in high school, uh, I then came to college and was sort of already like a, a little bit adept with it, which yeah. is a yeah. sort of a great special skill. Um, the first play I got cast in was with Colleen, who you just interviewed, Chronicus, uh, and then sort of experience begets experience, and then it was like by the time Hamlet came around, like I sort of was ready for it. Um, and I came to New York and I was like, that's all I was doing was Shakespeare, Shakespeare, Shakespeare. And then honestly, I got, after grad school, I got burned out with the acting thing. Mm -hmm. I, I did it so intensely for so long. And then I think when I look back, I think what I liked most about all of the plays that I was in was the actual writing. Like that was my favorite. And that's why I like Shakespeare so much was yeah. I would spend so much time pouring over the lines. Like I would look up, I'm not kidding, every single word that I didn't absolutely know the definition of, I would look up what, what it meant. And so I would... I would want to understand everything that I was saying. You know, if there's a word that has like five definitions, I would want to know every possible um, variation of that. So I was like really deep into the text analysis, right? And so that that's when I was like, oh, I think what I like more about this isn't so much the performing; it's the word, the words, the mm -hmm. crafting of the words and the scenes. And then as I sort of did more and more plays at, at in grad school we were also a group of sort of new, um, it was actors, writers, and directors together. So I would see these guys that were writing plays mm. and it also demystified the process for me. I was like, oh, this isn't impossible. You don't have to be Shakespeare or Tennessee Williams to do this. You know, you can just be this schmuck from New Jersey and it's write so a play. funny. That was when too, that I was like, I think I really am interested it? in directing because yeah. of PD Unit. It yeah. was like, it was a playwrights directors where, where we all got together and sort of helped each one to create further, you know, to develop further their piece, the playwrights and the directors. 
And, and uh, you would always have good ideas for the, for, oh, you should direct it. Yeah, for the yeah. directors. And I was like, I think I really like this part. But, yeah. you know, we so all we have. Your skills past, past the acting. It was more than just about acting for both yeah. of you. Yeah, then, it, yeah. Like. It, was, it was for the playwrights and the directors. And I think we all find our bliss within this business. And mm -hmm. I, I definitely think that Jason's bliss is the writing. The writing. And, you know, one one thing I've noticed, Jason, from the, you know, what I I have heard and seen of your work is that there is an attention to energy between people. The It's a quick, there's a quick sort of quick fire energy that you see often on something like West Wing or <laughs> on, on those kind of programs on TV that I think um, took, took, you know, took off and used to see in the movies in the 30s and 40s, you know, with um, Catherine Hepburn and Cary Grant, those kind of quick, fire dialogue that's comic but also very pointed and you don't always see a lot of that in theater uh you know and so i love when i when i see your work because that's what i that's the stamp that i see on it and i'd love to see more because i think writers used to write that way for plays and yeah. now they i don't see as much of that well yeah i don't i mean i guess it's just a, a a taste thing and they probably go in cycles but yeah i i i grew up loving that sort of quick banter stuff um uh, I also talk about, um, I was in uh, at Heritage Repertory Theater one summer mm -hmm. and Richard Warner directed me in the Sunshine Boys with Jim Hillgartner, who you might remember, yes. the late, great, phenomenal yes. Jim Hillgartner. Yeah, and I got I, to be in a few shows with him myself. I, I, I said, I learned more that summer about writing mm -hmm. and stagecraft being a small part in a Neil Simon play than like any, anything else. And so I was always like, oh, that's like the sort of the, the, the goal, sort of the gold standard. And Handle With Care was sort of my attempt at like a Neil Simon play. Mm. Um, and then Church and State is my attempt at an Aaron Sorkin play, right? Like <laughs> yes. I mean, that's what you're always doing. You're sort of trying to, you, 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 you admire someone and then you emulate them, but then it ends up coming out in your own voice. Um, Those are definitely the two writers that I think of when I, when I read what I've read of your, of your work. I, 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 yeah. I feel like those two writers. Are, are, yeah, are that and source. maybe James L. Brooks, you know, like, you know, mm. as good as it gets in broadcast news and stuff like that. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. Know. Yes. Also great. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, I think that there is something about the way it's, and it's also very American. It feels very much of our country. Um, and, yeah. and that's great. I mean, you are an American, so why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's where we are. But I mean, it doesn't. I don't know. I find sometimes other plays, and everyone's different, obviously, but are struggling to be something that they always feel kind of foreign to me, even though they're not foreign plays, they're American plays, but they don't feel American. And your plays feel very much American to me. So yeah. I think that's, well, that's interesting. Thank you. Yeah. I hope that's a compliment. <laughs> so yeah, um, well, absolutely it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's sure. so funny. I mean, I'm just circling back to your to your question earlier about how we came together as two mm -hmm. completely different people from different cultures and different backgrounds. And I think Jason, I mean, I think there's a little Jewish person inside of him. Oh, for sure. He is like huh. I, I, he's the most like you know. I'm the Columbia. most Jewish boy boy you've ever met. <laughs> well, there's the Neil Simon. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And I think. You know what? What I what I love about Jason as you know my husband and my partner and all that good stuff is that his sense of humor and my sense of humor align completely, yeah. oh, and I think that huge. cuts through culture right. and backgrounds and all yeah. that. And and going back to what I said earlier is that you know it it connects what is inherently human mm. about us. You know mm -hmm. what what connects us when you strip all the other you know, yeah. BS, you know, away. What do you laugh at? That makes, that's yeah, a comedy. It's a great unifier, right? Yeah. yeah, and it is. 
Yeah, no, I think it's great. And I think that, that, that obviously you've influenced each other and your sensibilities have crossed and you've taken, you know, from each other as well. And that's part of a great relationship. That's what happens over time. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and you have a daughter and and yes. and and you've you've created life that's always nice too that's okay. <laughs> and now she's a teenager right so yes and she's supposed to take out the dog right now but you're she's, waiting you know, waiting she's pepper waiting. pepper hasn't spoken yet isn't pepper, she hasn't pepper had a cameo doesn't bark pepper is an interesting dog she's yes. like she's i don't active. think these guys appreciate the barking so i don't think i'm going to do it so I have, so shifting gears a bit, I wanted to ask you a bit about um, what advice, since I see that you guys are, are really being active during this period in, in different ways, you know, not just being with family, but also writing and uh, getting new material out there and saying yes to things as they come up, taking risks. So, but what advice would you give to, to other artists or other theater people or just people in general that are feeling trapped or struggling during this quarantine this you know social distancing quarantine period that we're in that is in in some ways I guess anathema to what we do in theater you know we can't you know, get a bunch of people in a room together what so what do you guys advise I mean it's so it's so funny Lots. I mean uh, um, Jason is uh, it's it's rather you know it's easier when you're a writer because mm -hmm. you but can I, always I, write I, I will say <laughs> no, uh, yeah, when, uh, you go and then I'll tell you why it's not <laughs> It's just you. Me very easily. Listen, I, I think it's uh, it, what we are up against is um, the ability to create all together. I think our creativity is being challenged because we're all slightly depressed or stressed out. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is more of an issue than the physical ability to be around other people. I think first, you got to get up, you get a shower, you got to have a routine, you got to make sure you put something in your schedule every day, sing for 20 minutes, you know, yeah. uh, absolutely, you know, exercise for a little bit, mm -hmm. you, you know, find these pockets of time where you are, uh, if you're an actor, that you exercise your uh, instrument as an actor, you know, it's always good to pick up a play that you like and run some lines or practice a monologue or, you know, uh, tape yourself there are so many resources mm. for actors available right now i'm a member of the actor studio and they just started mm. uh, um you know every day they have classes they have um accent specialists they do mm. yoga they do uh sensory work they do i mean everything and there's it's all over the place i i found yoga because i'm i love yoga i found yoga on, on instagram Mm -hmm. Every day there's free stuff on all over Instagram. Yeah. Everything's moving online if it wasn't before. Oh yeah. And a lot of them are offering it for free because you know, nobody can yeah. pay for anything. You know? Just let keep your instrument alive. Mm -hmm. uh, as a director, I'm a little starved right now. You know, I'm busy. Because <laughs> you need people. <laughs> yeah, the people in my house are suffering because I keep telling them, you know, them, move up stage left. <laughs> yeah. Exit stage right. It's right. No, but uh, you know, today I had a conversation with an artistic director of a non-for-profit that they were going to produce Jason's play, the whole shebang, and we got into a conversation about, um, you know, the future of theater, hmm. because everybody's thinking about this beautiful moment where everybody's going to rush out to the theaters and sit in restaurants and. Uh, you know, just embrace it. But I think it's going to 
be a more of a trickle a shift. Uh, that yeah. I think people it's going to take people a little bit of time before they mm -hmm. completely trust uh I know that I've developed some crazy OCD uh, sure. from this of washing my hands and not touching anything yeah. uh, but I, I think it's going to be a slow growing uh process but I think what we need to do now what we can do now is plan right huh. so if you're a director like me you know, write to theaters that you're interested in working with. Everybody's sitting at home right now doing nothing, right? Yeah, and you know, it is funny, we're moving, it's the spring, which is the, a busy season in theater, but we are moving into uh, the summer and uh, preparations are, a lot of theaters have already started, obviously, or announced their fall seasons for next year, but but it is a smart idea, I think, to, to stay in touch. And Jason, what were you going to say about writing? You had something that you said that... You, well, so, you know, I, I always, you know, when sort of before this happened, right, I have a day job. It's, you know, mm -hmm. nine to five, Monday through Friday, and, uh, you know, I commute to it, and, and I always used to complain, uh, oh, I don't have enough time to do what I want to do. And then I, I, I found a routine. I would, like, write on the train, and I would steel pockets of time here and there and I would do it in the evenings or on the weekends and I was very productive I would get a lot done and then the minute I had that taken away from me that structure taken away from me I found it really hard to feel motivated sure because it was almost like you had too much time and then also like Charlotte said there's sort of this overwhelming dread and anxiety and depression and you're like what's the point I don't care anymore and and so I would say to writers out there I had to give myself permission I was like just give yourself at least a day or two to like do nothing like just yeah. it's fine like just kind of be bummed out and take a day and do nothing. Treat it like it's a free Saturday and do nothing. And then I'm, I kind of had to force myself to like sit at the computer and start something and it was crappy and start something else and it was not so great and slowly chipping away at things. And then these two sort of um, that social distancing monologue and then the, the state mandated therapy thing, the 48 hour plays thing, that was a great like, kind of forcing yourself back into the routine. And then we did a reading of Division Street and that was a good use of my time. And then creatively we were like, oh, we can fix the ending. And now I sort of feel like, okay, now I'm ready to go again. That's Is Division the Street another one of your plays? Oh yeah, that's the one that we read the other day. Uh, oh, with, I don't know about uh, yeah, Division Street, Division Street had its premiere in, the, in November at, at JCC Center Stage in Rochester. They had also done the premiere of Church and State. With yes. Ralph Moranto, yeah. he's artistic. So they did Division Street, and it was always the plan to do that in Rochester in November, and then at a theater in Idaho mm. called um, uh, Company of Fools at the yes. Sun Valley Center. I know them, yeah, because a lot I used to be oh. in Richmond. So I, a lot of Richmonders ended up going to Company of Fools, R.L. Oh, wow. So they were going to yeah. do it this June and July, oh, and then fantastic. they pulled the plug. Um, oh, sure. Sure. They the whole summer programming and so then we did the reading instead uh mm. but so just kind of those couple of things kind of got me feeling so i feel like tomorrow is monday again and i'm like i already i'm like all right i already know i already know how my day is gonna go so i would mm. I, I would recommend to writers like give yourself time to like be bummed out for a while to adjust yeah and, and then, then get build, into a new normal and then build your structure and build a new structure but yeah. Because I was also used to like, if I got 45 minutes of writing done a day, like sure. my work, I was like, I felt like that was a totally productive day. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, oh, I got 30 minutes on the train here, 20, 30 minutes on the train here. And I'm like, wow, I, that's great. And after a week, you're like, oh, I've done, I've written 30 pages. Yeah. Um, and that's how I would progress. And, you know, in three weeks, you'd have a play. It was, it was like a great way to do it. And well, the feeling, the feeling yeah. that I get by watching you, uh, you know, from a distance, what you and Charlotte are doing, it feels like you're, even if you're resting and even if you're taking a break, 
uh, or you're, you're reassessing things, you're always moving and you're always creating. And it feels very much, I said Neil Simon earlier, but there is sort of this feeling that you are constantly writing. That's the impression I get. It may not be the truth, but, but the impression I get is that you are producing and writing new plays that I, I'm starting to hear all the time about different that's plays or maybe true. they were no, that, that's, that's, that's accurate. That's absolutely true. And so I think what happened was, so like, I was used to sort of generating a certain amount of content and or right. just doing a certain just amount of writing a day. And then when the day, the day sort of schedule evaporated, sure. it was like you didn't have anything to stand on. It's like all of a sudden you're standing on sand or like a, a net and you're like, well, wait, what's happening? I don't, I don't, I don't get this. Uh, and mm -hmm. so it just, it took me, I honestly, till, just a couple of days ago right. that I was like, oh, now I get what this new normal is. Sure, it takes a few weeks. Yeah, mm -hmm. and so, but but no, you're right. And that's what felt frustrating is that it wasn't the same amount of output all the time. Well, um, Jason and Charlotte both, this is wonderful. And I can't tell you how excited I am to see what you're gonna come up with next because I have just in the last week and a half learned about three different plays that I didn't know about <laughs> that you guys were working on. And that's what I want to, you know, good for you. And, and yes, take your break. And I also see that you're taking breaks with your family and your daughter and having downtime. I think that's absolutely the best advice you could give people. So yeah. listen, it's been great. Thank you so much for taking this time. And, Thank you. And, and, and it was a delight as always talking to you guys, whether it's over, um, you know, a recording or whether it's in person, you guys are always a lot of fun and a lot of energy and you compliment each other so wonderfully. And thank you for taking the time. And next time we'll have to have uh, Pepper, the dog. Um, yeah. Pepper's Pepper. back now. She's been here basically the whole time. Just, just, <laughs> just quietly taking our scratch. Judging us silently, <laughs> these yeah. humans. But thanks so much and you, um, you know, stay in touch. And um, I can't wait to see the next thing that you guys are working on. Keep us posted. And where can people find out more about the last thing that you guys are working on? Jason, do you have a, a place where people can go online to find out about you and your uh, place and Charlotte, you too? I think, I think Facebook is probably the best. I guess I'm kind of a dinosaur. I quit Twitter because of the um, our current president. I yeah, I can't do Twitter. Uh, yeah. and, and I never really got into Instagram, but Facebook, yeah. I'm on there, like just as okay. me, Jason and Williams, or also so they Jason. should follow you. Right. Yeah, and Charlotte, do you want to be yeah. Charlotte Cohn, C-O-H-N. I'm on there <laughs> way too much. And, uh, but we are, this is actually something that we've been talking about is, mm -hmm. uh, you know, because we want, we feel like we have a lot to offer and we want to be able to offer more to people that are interested in our journey and our uh, creative process. You know, we have um, all sides of this business pretty much. We have been through it, we've worked on it. Sure. We know the process of writing and directing and producing. And so we, we're trying to figure out now how to make that more accessible to everybody out there. Ooh, um, so that is coming. But okay. in the meantime, Charlotte Cohn, Jason Odell Williams. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll, uh, we'll have to have you back to talk again in a few months when you guys have that all uh, mapped out and you're starting to, to put it out, out there yeah, into, the, into the ether. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Thanks so much, guys, and have a great uh, evening. And um, thank you so much for doing this. And we'll talk soon. We'll talk soon. Thanks, thank Kevin. you, Simon. Bye. Bye.